Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We know all things work together for good. Notice that when I read the Bible, saints, listen, when I read the Bible, I like to read what it does not say. And we, it doesn't say, and we see all things work together for good. Because oftentimes we don't. You know, there are many times where we don't understand, and perhaps I can get a witness. There are many times where we don't understand why God allows certain things to happen in our lives. Can I get a witness? Isn't that true? Oftentimes, we don't understand. It doesn't say we see. And it doesn't say we feel all things work together. Why? Because we don't always feel that all things are working together. And thank God. Because we don't live our Christian lives based on feeling. You know, so some people are feeling-oriented. They're all into their feelings. Listen, you are not saved. Are you listening? You're not saved because you feel like you're saved. You are saved because you are saved. You're not saved because you feel like you're saved. You know, there are some mornings that I wake up and I just don't feel like I'm saved. I wake up grumpy some mornings. I'm like, what? The pastor actually wakes up grumpy? Yeah, some mornings I wake up, razzmatazzm, razzmatazzm. You know you're grumpy when you're saying razzmatazzm. What is razzmatazzm? That's the grumpy word. And you know you're grumpy when you're like, I'm just grumpy, you're not feeling good. And you wake up and you think, man, you know, if you were basing your, your, your salvation on your feelings, then the day that you wake up grumpy, you wouldn't feel very saved. You go, I don't feel like I'm saved today. And then there are mornings I wake up and, and the sky is blue and the birds are singing and it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And everything's just wonderful. And I, what? Am I supposed to feel like super Christian day? You know, I wake up in the morning. Oh, I'm super Christian. I feel saved. Listen, if you don't feel saved or you do feel saved, it doesn't make any difference to whether you really are saved or not. Because salvation is not based on your feelings. Salvation is based on the fact that you have given your life to Jesus Christ. And you've hid your life in him. And now because of what he's done on the cross, you are saved. Whether you feel saved or not. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Uh, That's good news for me. What, can more than 10 people say amen? That's good news. Because you know. You wake up some mornings, you don't feel very saved. We don't base our faith on feelings. We know, the Bible says. Number two, not only do we know, but also it reads, God works. Are you tracking with me? God works, listen, not us. 
And we know God works and God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. In other words, saints, listen, God controls everything, not you and not me. God controls everything, not Mother Nature, not chance, not happenstance, not Donald Trump, not Oprah. Let me think now, Oprah, she controls a lot. Let me think about that. Hold on, Oprah controls a lot. But she didn't control everything. God controls everything. Amen, saints? No kings, no queens, no prime ministers, no governments, no nations. It is God who controls everything. And it is the Lord, watch this, who is at the helm of history. And it is God who is steering the ship toward his divine purpose. Which, by the way, side note, listen, that's why God is able to prophesy about the future with 100% accuracy because he's controlling everything and he's steering things right on course. Because God is at the helm of history and he's controlling everything. God works, not us. Number three, all things. God works all things. No, not some. Now listen, Calvary Chapel people, in the Greek language, help me out. In the Greek language, all means all, and that's very good. All in the Greek language means all, and that's all all means. God works all things, not most things, together for good. Now let's understand what it's not saying. It doesn't mean that everything we do works for good. Like you can go out and sin it up because God's going to work it for good. So you need to go out and sin it up so you can prove that God works things for good. That's weird. Don't do that. That's not biblical. That's bonehead. Is there a word boneheadedness? Yeah, that's bonehead. Don't do that. That's not good. All things, listen, refers to the fact that when you give your life to the Lord, everything happens in your life, good and bad, God will use it to bring it together for good. I do not understand that. How is it that all of the bad things, all of the good things, and everything in between, if you're a Christian, see, this is one of the benefits of being a Christian. Because God's going to control your life. God's going to take even bad stuff. And you know what? Even if you learn from your bad stuff, then God brought it together for good. Even if you learn something from your bad. See, a lot of people don't learn from what the bad stuff, so they keep doing it again. Again, in the Greek language, that's boneheadedness. (laughs) They keep doing it again. God takes even the bad situations and he turns them and makes them work for good. Not only that, point number four, for good. We talked about God works all things for good, not evil. The good, the bad, the ugly, the little things and the big things. In sickness and in health, God works them together for good. It doesn't say that God works together things that seem good. And it doesn't say that God works things together that feel good. Or even that are good. It says everything will work together for good. For God's kids. Number five. To God lovers. Or to those who love God. Not everybody. Listen saints. This verse does not apply to people who are not Christians. 
if you knew that, say amen. amen. It says, God works everything. Read your Bible. God works all things together for good to those who what? Love God. Not to the whole world. This is not teaching us some universal fatherhood of God. That God is a father of us all. Listen, we are not all God's children, contrary to popular opinion and belief. Now, don't misunderstand me. We are all God's creations. God created everything that you see. He is the creator of all. There's nothing that you see that God hasn't created. He is the creator, but we are not all God's children, and he is not everyone's father. Jesus told the Pharisees, he said, you are of your father, the devil. Jesus is the one who made that distinction. Jesus said, look, there's some folks whose father is the devil. And there's some folks whose father is the father up above on high. Not everybody is a child of God. So God works all things together. Are you listening? Say amen if you're listening. God, you got to get this. God works all things together for his kids. For those who love him. For those who have given their lives to him. To be a child of God. To be a son of God. And if you're going to be a child of God and you're going to be a son of God, then you're going to have to come to God, God's way and not yours. Amen. Amen. And God's way, God says, you come to me through my son. And Jesus said, I am the way, the only way to get to the Father. And any man that comes another way is coming as a thief. You've got to come to God God's way. In order to become a son, in order for this promise to apply to you, to God lovers. God works all things for good to God lovers. Point number two in our outline, the great purpose in our lives. Look at verse 29. Saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. For whom some of y'all ain't looking. In verse 29, if you're looking at it, say amen. amen. That's much better. Thank you. For whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Underline that. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Stop right there, saints. Give me your attention. We know all things are working together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. So the question then arises, what is his purpose? And verse 29 tells us what his purpose is. He foreknew. He also predestined us to be. Did you get that? Conform to the image of God. Saints, listen, simply put, God is trying to make us look like, conform us to look like Jesus. Amen. Which isn't that what we all want? We pray for that. We pray, Lord, make me like you. Lord, I want to be like you. Lord, I want to look like you. Lord, I want to act like you. Lord, I want to imitate you. Lord, I want to do what Jesus did. We pray for that. That's what we all want. Now listen, God wants to answer your prayer. God wants you to look like his son. But in order for God to cause you to look like his son, there's going to have to be some conforming and there's going to be have, have to be some transforming. And can I tell you something here? I bring you good news today. The process isn't pleasant. Why nobody ever gets excited about that? I never hear, oh, amen. Who preach, pastor, preach. I never hear that there. The process of conforming, are you listening? 
The process of conforming and transforming isn't pleasant. Some areas are going to have to be pushed. Some areas are going to have to be molded. Some areas in your life are going to have to be cut off and trimmed. And some areas need to be added to. And some areas are going to need a complete makeover. A complete makeover. And the process isn't pleasant. Listen. There was a time when I was a red lump of clay. My master took me and rolled me and he patted me over and over and over. And I yelled out, let me alone. But he only smiled and said, not yet. And then I was placed on a spinning wheel. Suddenly was, I was spun around and around and around. Stop it, I'm getting dizzy, I said. The master only nodded and said, not yet. And then he put me in the oven. I'd never felt such heat. I wondered why he wanted to burn me. And I yelled and I knocked on the door. And I could see him through the opening. And I could read his lips as he nodded his head. He said, not yet. And finally the door opened. Phew. And he put me on the shelf and I began to cool. Oh, that's better, I said. And then suddenly he grabbed me and he brushed me and he began to paint me all over. And I thought I would suffocate. I thought I would gag. The fumes were horrible. And he just smiled and said, not yet. And then suddenly he put me back in the oven. And this oven was twice as hot as the first. And I knew that I was going to suffocate. And I begged and I screamed and I yelled. And all the time I could see him through the opening smiling and nodding his head saying, not yet. Not yet. And then I knew that there was no hope. I knew that I wouldn't make it. I was just ready to give up when the door opened and he took me out and he put me on the shelf. And then an hour later, he came back and he handed me a mirror and he said, look at yourself. And I did. And I said, that can't be me. I'm beautiful. Listen, I hope this ministers to you. And whatever you're going through, I want you to filter what you're going through in your life now through my following comments. God, listen, is taking us through a process of molding and shaping so that we could one day look into the mirror and say, wow, I am beautiful beyond description. And the reason I'm beautiful beyond description is because I'm in the one Jesus who is beautiful beyond description. God is working things together for good. Why? To conform us. There's a purpose. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's a purpose in the suffering. And if there's no purpose in the suffering, then I don't want to suffer. And there's a method to the madness. And I understand that there's a purpose and that there's an end to this thing. And there's a reason for this thing. And at the end result of it, then I'm going to be more like Jesus. And I'm going to be made in the image and conformed and transformed in the image of Jesus. And there's a reason for the suffering that I can deal with that. But if suffering has no purpose, then we cannot deal with it. God hadn't designed us that way. But God has taught us through the scriptures that suffering has a purpose for our trials and tribulations are sent to us to produce patience. And patience hope. And hope does not disappoint. Hope will never make you ashamed. There's a reason for the, re the things that we're going through. Be encouraged. God's working. You may not see it. You may not feel it. You may not know it. But God is always behind the scene working. He's at the helm of history. I'm glad about that. We serve a God who knows what's going on in our lives. Point number three, I've got to try to wrap up here. We've got a great providence from start to finish. Saints, will you go with me to verse 30, if you will? Moreover, whom he what? 
predestined, these he also underlined this, called. And whom he called, these he did what? Justified. And whom he justified, these he did what? Glorified. Again, underline that. Listen, this word providence is not found in our text, but the concept is. The word providence comes from two words, if you're taking notes, Bible students. It comes from two words. Pro means before, and video means to see. Providence means to see before. So when we talk about the providence of God, we're saying that God sees before and God plans accordingly. Verse 30 tells us the events that happen in the life of the believer is not ruled by chance or fate. There is a providential process that God has taken us through as believers. Quickly, five things I want to point out about God. Number one, God foreknew. Look at verse 29 in your Bibles. God foreknew us. God foreknew. Listen, God knows everything. Say amen, saints. Don't you know that? God knows everything and God can't learn anything. And because God knows everything, he doesn't forget anything. Now, he chooses not to remember. And for that, I am thankful. Can I get a witness? I'm thankful because he says he cast our sin in the sea of forgetfulness, never to remember it anymore. God chooses not to remember, but he doesn't forget anything. God knows everything. And if God knows everything, then God never says, oops. Isn't that great news? You came to church to learn that today. It's a deep theology. God never says, oops. What did you learn at church today, honey? God never says, oops. Deep theology. God knows what's going to happen because of the foreknowledge of God in verse 29. Notice in verse 30, go ahead and look at it again in your Bibles. He also predestined us. God foreknew and God has predestined us. Now this morning, listen, this afternoon, saints, we come to, give me your attention, we come to this endless argument that men sit in their ivory towers and discuss and come to no conclusion Talking about predestination, election, the sovereignty of God, the responsibility of man, eternal security or not. Men debate over these things. Here we have the scripture that tells us that we are predestined to salvation. This word predestined is the Greek word proorizo. And it literally means to predetermine, to decide ahead of time, to foreordain. Election predestination simply is this, saints. Before you were born, here it is in a nutshell. Before you were born, before you were in your mother's womb, apart from anything you've done, listen, God chose, ordained, and picked you for salvation. God saved you. God picked you for salvation, and God chose you. Now, at the same time, listen, that God chose you, the Bible teaches, that's the sovereignty of God, the Bible teaches that you must choose God. Amen. You know, people go back and forth, and what is it, Rodney? Is it the sovereignty of God or, or the responsibility of man to choose God? Well, it's both. You've got to choose God, and God has already chose you. Now, people get upset at verses like this. People get upset at teachings like this. You mean to tell me, Rodney, and people have said this to me, you mean to tell me, Rodney, that there are some people who have been picked 
and chosen to be saved. And, 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 and others have not. What kind of God is that? What kind of God would pick some and not others? And how do I know if I'm picked or not? And I say to them, well, would you like to get saved? And they say, no. I say, well, then you're not picked. <laughs> what? What? Amen. Get the... well, well, would you like to get saved? Well, well, yeah. Well, then you're picked. You see, the same Bible that talks about the sovereignty. Are you still with me? I'm trying to simplify this. The same Bible that talks about the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man is the same Bible that says, whosoever will, let them come. Amen. So everybody can be picked. Amen. If you want to be picked. Now, if you don't want to be picked, then you don't have to be picked. And there's nobody going to be in heaven who didn't want to be picked. Amen. Everybody in heaven wanted to be picked. And that's why they're in heaven, because they were already picked and then they picked. <laughs> Are you feeling me, my people? Are you picked today? <laughs> this is what <laughs> I'm picked. I'm glad I'm picked. And I'm glad God picked me before the foundation of the world. You know, it was D.L. Moody who said this. He said, I'm sure glad that God picked me before I was born because I don't think he would have picked me after I had done some living. <laughs> Isn't that true? Now, I read this story to put to you before, and indulge me if you will. I want to read it again about this young black kid in Memphis, Tennessee, who wanted to join this conservative fundamental church. And the elders asked him, how did you get saved? And he answered, well, I did my part and God did his part. The elders thought they had him. So they asked him, well, what was your part and what was God's part? And the boy replied, my part was sinning. I ran from God as fast as these rebellious legs would take me and my sinful heart would lead me. I ran from him, but you know, he done took out after me till he done run me down. <laughs> Isn't that true? God done took out after all of us. Lord, send up the hound dogs of heaven to take off after all of us and run us all down. And we might come to know Jesus. Predestination. He foreknew us. He predestined us. He called us. Saints, look in your Bibles. And he justified us. Look at verse 30 in your Bibles. I'm coming in for a landing. He justified us. We talk a lot about that here at Calvary Chapel. Imagine that. We've been justified. Not going to be justified. You is justified. Yeah, I said it. You is justified. It's a done deal. We've been ju just as if I'd, somebody help me. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's what it means. Amen. God's justified us. It's a done deal. And not only have we been justified, but we also be glorified. We is glorified right now. And we someday will be glorified in God's presence. In the kingdom. Right now we're glorified. Now, I know that's hard to comprehend because we don't see ourselves as glorified. I don't know about you, but I don't see myself as glorified. I don't wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, oh, there's glorified Rodney. <laughs> Handsome devil, you. <laughs> Handsome devil, you. I mean, you know, you, know, you don't see <laughs> Y'all pray for me. And uh, you don't see yourself as glorified, but thank God that God calls those things which be not as though they were. 
So he sees you as glorified, even if you don't see yourself as glorified right now. And then when you die and you take your next breath, you're going to be in heaven with the Lord, glorified with him. Bible students here, I close with this. Take note of this eternal chain of God working in our text. He foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, and he will glorify us. Paul is saying, listen, God is the author of our salvation from start to finish. And then in verse 31, Paul says, what shall we say to these things? In verse 28, go ahead and look at it with me again. And we know that all things, I get the impression Paul is just excited right now. And there's a fire in his preaching, which I think there should be a fire in every preaching. And Paul's excited and he just comes to this kind of crescendo. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew and he predestined. Don't you understand? He's trying to conform you to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And moreover, we've been predestined. And these he also called all of us predestined folk. It comes along with the calling. He called us whom he called. He justified us and whom he justified. These he also glorified. And then in verse 31, it seems like he comes to this crescendo. Oh, what shall we say to these things? So excited. Oh, what are we going to say to these things? What will we say to these things? We'll say more next Sunday. (laughs) You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.